All of this is going to ultimately be about being united and close with each other because that's God's intention and purpose. Ah, for being receptive both to his word, which is what we're going to do in a moment, but also to each other. Being responsive and receptive to one another, of hearing truth come from one another, of not shutting down but being open and vulnerable and being truth tellers together and responding accordingly. A stands for being active, that God calls us to be followers of the Lord Jesus who are engaged in ministry, engaged in service and not simply going through the routines, not simply professing faith or not simply being a lone ranger follower of the Lord Jesus but doing that together and serving together. C, which is where we are today, stands for community, that God calls us to be a people who are committed together. Community. There are lots of analogies and pictures of community to illustrate um, God's picture of his new community, the church. There is the analogy of uh, it's a family of God and that we're all brothers and sisters together. Or Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride together. Or being God's household or like we're going to read in a moment of being God's vineyard where Jesus is divine and we're all branches connected to him and in the process of being connected to him, connected to one another. I'm going to talk about community out of John 15. If you've got your Bibles and we are a Bible reading, Bible believing, Bible teaching church so we encourage you to bring your Bibles with you or your electronic devices in which they are stored. We will put the readings of scripture up on the screen um, as well. And then E stands for encouragement which is where we will come to in a couple of weeks that God wants us to be a people who are speaking the truth but also affirming, supporting and where necessary coming alongside and encouraging to be not just a follower of Jesus but to be fully passionate, to be fully obedient, to be committed to him. So that's where we are in this series and we are delighted that you could be with us this morning. At the end of the service there is going to be opportunity to hang back chat, get to know one another and that's what we need to do and to do better certainly as a church and there's opportunity for tea and coffee afterwards if you would like to avail yourself of that. But also for those of you who are regulars or for those of you wanting to become part of our community here, this congregation, there are going to be some photographs taken after the service to go into the directory. It's really helpful being able to have a name with a photograph, particularly for the pastoral team, the pastors and elders in the church as well as for our care team as well as just for you, I'm sure, as you're going through the list of either praying for one another or whether you're going to somebody's house for a meal and you know you want to look up their address and maybe somebody in your family hasn't met them, you can show them a picture. So if you can, take the time this morning to get your lovely portraits taken. That'll be straight out here, out those doors over there near the kitchen. We're going to read from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, <coughs> 1 to 17. <coughs> The Lord Jesus is speaking. And this is his last words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. This is his upper room discourse. These are the important things, the final things the Lord Jesus wanted to emphasise to his disciples. Chapter 14, he has just told them that he is leaving, that he's going away, that he'll be coming back. But before he comes back, he will send the gift of his spirit who will teach who will guide, who will impart to the followers of the Lord Jesus all things that they need in order to follow him. And in chapters 15 and 16, the Lord Jesus goes on to teach us exactly how that will work its way out in our lives. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine 
and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, then you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because servants do not know what their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything I have learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are the divine gardener, that you examine each and every branch in the vine, and that you do that through your word, either removing or pruning. We ask this morning, Lord, that you might indeed draw very close, you might examine us, and that you might be pleased to prune or feed or to encourage greater fruitfulness in us, in us together, as we are linked and united to the vine. Holy Spirit, as the Lord Jesus sent you, so we invite you to teach us this morning, to open our eyes to the truths that you want us to know and to respond to. Speak to us, we pray, for the honour and glory of Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Before I leave the platform this morning, at the end of the sermon, I want to take also just a few minutes to pray for some folk. Let me name them for you now but I'll pray for them at the end of our service. going to pray for a little girl called Claire, Janet Rigby and Tony Rigby's great-granddaughter, who's having a naming service this morning. Catholic Church, I think, in another church anyway. So, in the park. So Janet's got to leave maybe before we get to the end of the service, so if you see her walking out, it's not that she's whatever, greatly offended or anything else, it's rather she's going to attend that. Tony's not with her this morning because... Tony is in hospital and has been, I think, all week, so we need to pray for him. 
um, for correct diagnosis for what's going on for him. We need to pray for Shirley Trotter, who likewise had knee operation, is now at Sunnybank Rehab and is struggling a little bit. We need to pray for Shirley. She often sits over here. Um, we need to pray for our brother Brian Boomish, for Bruce Hallowell and for Jan Marion, and undoubtedly there are others as well. In this passage, the Lord Jesus is talking about us being his followers and being united to him in the vine. He talks about five things that I'm going to sort of work my way through this morning and then repeat for you at the end. There is the, normally in a message, there is a, like a consistent theme or, or a development and it's, I trust or hope, it's usually easy to follow. Well, this morning it's going to be more like a banquet in terms of smorgasbord. It's going to be, I'm going to throw that out and I'll throw that out and you're going to have to say, I'll have some of that. But I don't want some of that. So you're going to have to pick and select. You normally do anyway, I'm sure. But here are the five things. Here, The source of this spiritual life we have is in Jesus, the vine. We are branches in the vine. The purpose of this life, verse 2, is fruit. The agency of this life, the means that God uses, that Jesus uses, is his word, verse 3 and 7. The dynamic of this life is that we are to remain in him, to abide in him, something that we are to be cultivating in our life. And fifthly, the proof of this life, that we are linked in him, part of the vine. And there are several proofs of life, but Jesus gives in verses 7 and 8 too, answered prayer, and increasing fruitfulness. So that's the five points, that's where we're going. The source of this spiritual life is in the person of the Lord Jesus. He is the vine and he is the one who said, I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the way to God. I am the one with the truth about God. And if you want to experience the life of God, then that's also through me. I am the way, the truth and the life. This spiritual life is only available to us through him and that we in this analogy of the Lord Jesus are the branches in ourselves we have no life we are weak and almost useless branches by themselves are not overly productive or helpful living things but when linked to the vine they become productive resourceful they have an effect so the Lord Jesus is saying we have our life in him. His life flows to us. He is the sap, providing the sap from the trunk, if you like, to each of the branches. Without him, there is no life, no leaf, no bud, no fruit. We need him. We need him in our life. And the Father, in fact, is on the lookout for us who are in him to be more fruitful examining the connection, not just close to him, but related to him, linked with him, having responded to his invitation and miraculously the sovereign God waits for us to respond to him. In that incredible reference in, John, in Revelation chapter 3, it talks about how the sovereign Lord Jesus is standing outside the church of Laodicea and he's knocking on the door and he says to the church Behold I stand at the door and knock If anyone hears my voice opens the door he waits for our response If anyone hears my voice opens the door 
I will come in and have close fellowship with them, eat with them and they with me. It's a response that we have to make to his incredibly gracious invitation to be linked with him. There are two kinds of branches that this passage talks about. There are branches that are fruitful, that are linked with him, but the passage also alludes to other branches that are not linked with him. They're false branches. And in the chapters just before this, we've had the story of Judas, who was one who was pretending, who journeyed with, associated with, but ultimately was not committed to or connected with the Lord Jesus. And Judas leaves. He is removed, if you like. So the question this morning coming out of this, Jesus is the source of our life. Question, are you united with him? Which branch are you? The real branch? I have responded, I have asked for his forgiveness, I've invited him to be Lord of my life, I am connected to him. Or I'm still on the way, perhaps. Not there yet. I come to church, I might be here because of my spouse or I might be a teenager and I'm here because of my parents but I haven't yet made that heartfelt response. Which one are you? This life, spiritual life, comes only through him. And his life coming into us is going to affect us in all dimensions, all avenues. He'll change our desires, our affections, our convictions, our understandings. So that like the Apostle Paul, if when we are linked with him, we'll be able to declare it's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me, Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I who live. I'm not in charge. He is. That's what it means to be linked in with Jesus, divine. Secondly, the purpose of this life of being linked in with Jesus in verse 2 is the production of fruit. Fruit is the expression of life that is within. The kind of fruit you bear reflects the kind of life that you have within. Pears don't grow on apple trees. Cherries don't grow on grapevines. Fruit trees produce fruit. Christ within, what fruit will he produce? Christ's likeness. Christ within will produce Christ's likeness. The fruit is a spirit. This is what the Father, the Divine Gardener, in fact, is examining each and every branch for. Are you like my son? That's the intention. That's the purpose. That we, linked with him, are to become increasingly like him. Romans 8.29 That God has been predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son bearing the fruit of the Spirit, those qualities and characteristics of the Lord Jesus, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The purpose of our life in Jesus is to produce fruit. It's what God is looking for. The branches, by the way, don't eat the fruit. Others do. We, by following Jesus, being linked with him and producing, he producing in us through us his qualities are for the benefit of others. We, by our words and our works, 
serving others, just like Proverbs 10 verse 21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. The lips of the righteous, our words, feed many. Branches don't grow fruit just for themselves, they grow it for others to minister to them, hence the community, us together. And also linked with this is to remember that inside every fruit is the potential for new orchards, orchards of fruit trees, lots of them. Inside every fruit is the potential for other branches, more fruit. That's God's intention for us to be together. Source of this life, Jesus. The purpose of this life, fruitfulness, becoming increasingly like him. The agency of this life, what is the means that God uses to bring about this life in us and fruit through us? His word. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will. The agency that God uses are the scriptures, his word. This becomes both his pruning tool as well as his nourishing manual. He uses his word to convict us, to change us, for things to be removed from our life. He uses his word to teach us, to mould us, to nourish us spiritually. And again, it's our response to his word, obedience, that he uses to trim, prune, clean, transform us to become increasingly like his son, the Lord Jesus, the fruit. You cannot be a fruitful Christian without his word. And it takes practice. It's not instant, not automatic. It takes effort. Just as we learn from teachers in other contexts, we take their words and then we practice the skill or whatever it is they're trying to show us or teach us, so we must respond to God's word of taking his words and putting it into practice, not just knowing it, not just understanding it, but applying and doing it. Many churches focus their messages on how to, how to be a better husband, how to control anger, how to manage my finances, how to, life-orientated talks. And they can be very helpful. But our church intentionally has a focus on understanding and applying God's word because it's God's word that is the means of producing fruit. It's God's word that brings us to Christ. It's God's word that feeds us in Christ. It's God's word that grows us in Christ. Not just understanding it, but applying it, doing it. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, just as you received him, the same way, hearing his word, responding to it, accepting him, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The way you begin is the way you continue. Trusting, being faithful, fruitful. That's how we go forward. The agency God uses is his word. The dynamic of this relationship is abiding, remaining, clinging to, 
staying close by, near to, engaged with, connected to. It's natural and it's necessary for branches to be linked in to the vine. But from our perspective, this is something that has to be cultivated. It's something that has to be nurtured. We do it through worship, through meditation on his word, through applying his word to our life and being obedient to it, through the practice of our gifts, service. The dynamic is continually refocusing my mind that I am his and he is mine. Frank Lorback, famous missionary that some of you may know of, he used to teach about practising the truth of the hour, that every hour, on the hour, that wherever he was and whatever he was doing, he would intentionally turn his mind back to, I belong to Jesus and I represent him. It's a bit like Deuteronomy chapter 6, you know, where Moses is teaching uh, the Jewish people uh, something to recite and we read it in church last week or the last couple of weeks, the Shema of Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Moses goes on and says, teach this to your children, recite it when you stand up, when you sit down, when you walk along the way. Well, Frank Lorback took that, as others have done, and probably even as the Lord Jesus did, and recited that, refocused their mind intentionally towards I am to love God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength in this context with whatever I'm doing as I'm driving down the road, as I'm in a business encounter, as I'm at university or school and I'm in a conversation with somebody, when I stand up, I'm to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. When I sit down, I'm to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. As I walk continually, every hour, and in fact, Lorback testifies that he went on to develop it down to the minute. That was his goal. And Brother Lawrence famously renowned for practising the presence of God in the normal, ordinary circumstances of life. The dynamic of this life is clinging to Jesus, abiding in him, not just when you get up in the morning and have time alone with him, reading his word and having your devotional time or your quiet time, or not just at the end of the evening if you do it late at night, but it's abiding in him throughout the day, abiding in him when you gather together, abiding in him when we scatter. It's fruit comes through him and unless we are in him the Lord Jesus says verse 5 that we can achieve nothing nothing of any spiritual value no spiritual fruit except out of our relationship with him he does it through us. The proof of this life verses 7 and 8 The Lord Jesus has just spoken at the end of chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He offers them peace. In this passage, 9 and 11, he talks about love and joy. Love, joy, peace. The first three fruits of the Holy Spirit are the same fruits the Lord Jesus is offering his disciples when he was here in the flesh. But he gives two other proofs besides the fruit of the Spirit, his characteristics. The first one is in verse 7, where he says, If you remain in me, 
and my words remain in you. Then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now that's an amazing promise, isn't it? It's conditional. If you remain in me, closely connected, submitted, orientated my life to him, walking in submission to him, and his words remain in me so that I am obedient, when I am doing these two things, then he will be governing the desires of my heart and he'll be directing the way that I pray. I'll be praying according to his will, his word. And then, of course, whatever I ask according to his will and word, he will hear and he will grant. But for us as followers of the Lord Jesus, branches linked into the vine, if we are linked with him, one of the proofs that we are doing that, one of the proofs of his dynamic life in us is answered prayer. Mary Queen of Scots testified once that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than she feared 20,000 enemy soldiers. She feared the prayers of John Knox because he was a man who walked with God and God heard him and answered him. That's to be evident in our lives as we closely follow the Lord Jesus. The second fruit is or proof of life, is increasing fruitfulness. That God's intention for us, the Father, as he comes along to prune or remove, he is the landowner and he's looking for Christ-likeness in us. And it is his intentions that we bear not just fruit, but that we bear much fruit. This is my Father's glory, verse 8, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When I was growing up, we had a grapevine. We had lots of fruit trees in our yard in Narendra, in my grandparents' property. And I had forgotten, but I remembered this week, we used to have this large grapevine and get these beautiful white grapes off it in season. But over the years, of course, we didn't look after it that well, or I didn't see my parents or them looking after it. They probably did, and I didn't know. But over the years, eventually, it deteriorated. The grapes got smaller and shriveled, and didn't become very attractive and eventually the the thing was removed. That's the natural generation that happens unless you prune it. And even now, um, those who are in the business of growing grapes and making wine and things, and they'll take two or three years to train the people to come along to know how to prune. They remove not just the dead branches where insects and diseases and other things can hide and breed, but they will also take fruitful branches and prune those. They will remove some fruitfulness in order to make the branches more fruitful. They'll open it up, they'll open the spaces and it would appear that God does this as well in some ways, that he's concerned not just about quality but he's also concerned about quantity. He wants both. And he looks for that in our life. Why does God want a lot of fruit? Because it's the life of Jesus in us, growing the fruit. And it's manifesting him. And he is a God of abundance. He's a God of plenty. He's very generous. So as we depend and live closely on him, the Lord Jesus expects that we will be fruitful. What that means, I think, is The closer we are to Jesus, linked with him, 
responding to his word, manifesting increasing Christ-likeness in our attitudes and choices and lifestyle, then people will begin to see more of him in us than of us. That's the challenge. And that people will be attracted to Jesus in us, not to us. I think sometimes, myself included, we sell ourselves short by trying to be as pleasant or as nice as we can be when really it's all about being linked and submissive and obedient to him, doing what he wants us to do. And just to remind you of this, apparently the best grapes grow furthest out on the branches, out on a limb, relying on him. As I've said to you on numerous occasions, I think, and I experience it in my own life, that God will lead you to the edge of something and when you get to the edge, sometimes he'll wrap his arms around you and bring you back and you will feel saved and secure. There are other times God will lead you to the edge and then he will push. And you will have no other choice except to cast yourself upon him, to trust him, to catch you and to hold you. There are times that God will do that in our lives, particularly when we grow increasingly independent, not linked, not fully obedient. He will enact things. He will remove some things from us in order that we might bear better fruit, better quality fruit. He is the source of this life. He uses his word. We are to obey and remain in him. The proof that we are in him is not just our character, but answered prayer. He is the stream that we are to be closely linked with. So the questions for us this morning are very simple. Are you in the vine? If you are in the vine, are you bearing fruit? Is your life increasingly bearing more fruit, becoming more like the Lord Jesus? And if you're in the vine linked with him, how is that demonstrated in being linked with other branches in the vine, brothers and sisters together in community? We are to belong to the vine, to be connected to the vine, to find joy in the vine, to serve in the vine, and we are to grow and bear fruit in the vine. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we consider some of those questions. Let's pray. Firstly, are you in the vine? Have you responded to the Sovereign Lord's invitation? Him knocking at the door, calling for your response. Secondly, are you abiding in the vine? Intentionally cultivating, taking time out, but also during the day, reorientating your mind. I belong to him. Thirdly, am I being fruitful? Am I being increasingly fruitful? Am I becoming more like the Lord Jesus? Heavenly Father, we pray that you might 
deal with us. To prune, to nourish, to enjoy and depict the fruit from our lives. Lord, may this week for us be a week of progress. For some here this morning, we pray that you might graft them into the vine, that you'll assist them to make a response of acceptance of the Lord Jesus. For others of us already having made that, I pray that you might fill us with your spirit and your life, that you might use your word to shape us, to convict us, to clean us, and ultimately to transform us that we might be passionate followers of the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you were the vine. Heavenly Father, you were the gardener. And dear Holy Spirit, you are the one who indwells each of the branches. Come and have your way in this part of the vineyard, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.